Hi, welcome to the Faces of Leadership podcast presented by the Zac. I'm Scarlett Zhao from the Zac Class 2021. Together with my cohorts, we explore how the definition and profile of leader in PR has evolved over time. In the next few episodes, we speak with a variety of PR leaders from different backgrounds to get their thoughts on different aspects of leadership. In today's episode on being a young leader, you'll be listening to our hosts Ben Roberts and Annalise Merlin talking to special guest Christian Fogut, the CEO and founder of Simply Thought. In this episode, Christian shares his journey as a young leader and the challenges he has faced as the founder of his own consultancy and how COVID has shaped his leadership style. Enjoy listening. Hey, Christian, Ben. Great to have you both here. Let's get into it. Talking about being a young leader. So, first of all, before we get into the questions, let's talk about your favorite campaign of the week or the month. What's grabbed your attention? I mean, I've been offline most of this week, so it's going to、uh, it's going to have to be for the month for me. But I think the Twitter bots that essentially called out companies on equal pay was brilliant, and I'm still not sure if it's been revealed who was. Behind it, or who concepted it, but I think it's one of the times when communication and especially Twitter really shows powerful angle and the use of not just Twitter and a social platform, but also data. That when we're here talking and there's a PR team internally who's creating a campaign to promote International Women's Day,、mm-hmm. that the data can quite quickly turn on you and show the real picture. Absolutely. I think there were quite a few PR agency people who were sat there following that, waiting for their clients. Yeah, waiting for their clients to be listed. <laughs> was, and actually, we did crisis comms training yesterday, and they were talking about no company's ever safe, and you know, only takes one moment for something to brew up. So that, yeah, definitely yeah, a good example of that. Definitely, a lot of people waiting with a bated breath. <laughs> What do you think about when it's the reverse, when it was women actually being paid more in an organization? I thought there was some interesting nuances. Is that necessarily better? Is that a good way of equalizing it? Does that balance it out? I don't quite know, but I definitely know that the organizations that were close to or even those zero ones were the winners that day. Yeah, for sure, for、yeah. sure. I mean, I think yeah, I do think it's really interesting. So you, I imagine there are companies that are over-indexing either intentionally or, or unintentionally, and it's difficult to know whether I suppose that's the right thing to do. But yeah, ultimately, it's about getting as close to parity as possible. Absolutely. Okay, so getting into our questions now about being a young leader. So you've had several positions now, and you've obviously got your own consultancy. And we want to kind of ask you about what your experience has been over the years as a leader, and what your highlights, your challenges have been. So do you want to give us a bit of an overview of what your career trajectory has been first before we get into into questions? I originally started. Back now feels like many years ago. At what was then Text 100 has since become Archetype afterwards after rebrands and mergers. And I started as a PR graduate, having never done a day of PR、uh, in my life. When I was interviewing for the role, I was flying in after、uh, I was at the time I was actually doing my military service、uh, in Denmark. So I flew in for the interview, read up what PR was on the、uh, train in to prep the graduate day questions that and presentation, and then I ended up sticking around in that career. So I worked on the PR kind of graduate scheme and PR team for two years or so, and then I ended up moving into the social and content team officially after we merged with a content social agency and a branding and design agency, and that kind of then. 
opened up into further avenues and kind of areas of communications more broadly beyond specifically PR. That kind of then ended up morphing after a few years in uh, social and contents. I ended up doing still managing PR accounts, still doing the social and content work, and then also doing more account management on anything from web designs and web creations, website relaunches to film and contents. And I ended up with this quite broad skill set, I feel, and I was uh, wondering where is it that my specialism should go and what is it I should focus on. And then I got wind of a global insights analytics team that was being founded in the agency. And I essentially managed to uh, strong arm the then regional director and who then became my boss into uh, letting me come onto that team and help start that team, even though I had no technical qualifications for insights analytics other than analytical thinking and a bit of uh, knowledge of the tools that we were using for it. And so I really enjoyed having this insights analytics role that spanned all those different teams and all those different functions of communications that we are now working with within the agency. And that helped me also propel into leadership role, I guess, in the sense that after a few years of that, I ended up more or less running the EMEA side of the insights analytics function within Archetype before ultimately leaving and setting up my own Whereas I left to uh, move to Denmark. Is that when you think you became a leader at that point when you started your own agency? Or do you feel like you were a leader before that? I, I feel like I can I can feel some leadership quality vibes from the I strong armed the regional director into giving me a job that I had no, no, no experience in whatsoever. One of the advices I give to some of the people that I uh, have the privilege of mentoring is around uh, managing up is a, is a skill mm. that I feel that I pretty much nailed. Maybe uh, my old boss Cecile would disagree when one day she hears this podcast and be like, yeah, it's just a nightmare. <laughs> but I think you're right. I think there's different levels of leadership in that regard. And I think I think there's leadership at every level and it comes different. I think when you're at the junior end, it's more about leadership of yourself as well and managing your own. When you step into an account management role, you have leadership at the level of well, that account management role and you're responsible then for that account and how it runs and you are leading the team on a day-to-day basis right juniors and then i had the other leadership experience which is essentially stepping into the insights analytics role where it was also leadership in the sense of actually creating helping create this function and running that at the emia level and being the person pulling together the proposals presenting this to clients creating different constructs and methodologies and ways to answer the questions that clients actually needed and then there's a whole other level of leadership, which is starting your own business. Mm. And that is uh, <laughs> leadership in the probably the most raw terms. And there's really the buck ends with you. And there's no one else who's going to be responsible ultimately. Even if it's someone else on your team who fucks up somewhere along the way, you've made the hire of that person who's now fucked up or <laughs> whatever the hell it ha- is that happens. <laughs> So obviously you talk about those different facets of of leadership. What do you think has been the biggest challenge for you throughout your journey so far? I think challenges come all the bloody time. It's hard to pick (laughs) out one. I'll I'll say two of the moments. The moments I feel the burden of leadership, so to speak, is particularly around hiring. And I take hiring, I take jobs, and I take creating good work environments very, very seriously. It's also one of the reasons why I stuck around at Archetype for so many years is because I really enjoyed the culture and the working environment that we had there. And the people were good people. But I think that I've seen, been exposed to a lot of unemployment and uh, seen the struggles, especially a lot of Uh, So my age group, we kind of graduated in the time right after the financial crash Mm. and getting jobs wasn't always the easiest thing in those 
ensuing five, eight years, right? Before the economy really picked up again. So I take giving people not just a job that pays and making sure the salary is there on time, but also giving people a job that makes them feel worthwhile, fulfilled, that it gives them something and makes them feel like they're doing good and that they're valued. Mm -hmm. Uh, I take that very seriously and giving them something meaningful. If I'm going to ask for eight hours of your day, five days a week, then I really hope that I can give you something meaningful back from that. Mm -hmm. So I take hiring really seriously. I take providing a good workspace and a good place to work really seriously. So that's the burden of leadership that I really feel and the kind of challenge specific moments that that became really apparent for me particularly was uh, at Archetype when we were starting the Insights Analytics function and we were getting traction, the team was growing, the work was coming in and we needed to make a hire and it was going to be someone working under me and EMEA on this team. So I interviewed and I made a junior hire and that was the first hire I was responsible for and had the last say in. And a few months later, that was also the first person that I had to fire. Mm. So that's a, a, a nice little <laughs> first person that I hired was also the first person I fired. And you really feel that in terms of responsibility and that, that you've taken someone in, you've convinced them to leave their job and it then didn't pan out. Mm. And I guess in terms of that sense of responsibility, do you feel like that's heightened now that you've got your own business, right? And do, do you feel like that challenge of leadership is is greater? Absolutely. In some ways, I shoot from the hip and in other ways, I'm very uh, cautious and aware of what I'm doing in that regard. And I think I feel it twofold now as well, because no longer just feel responsible for being a good manager, making the right hire so that it's actually a person who can grow into the role and has the capabilities to kind of take this on and is a right fit for it. But I also feel it from the sheer fact that if ultimately the business is also my responsibility, mm. I, I have to go out and win that business. Hopefully uh, the team is part of that and hopefully the team contributes actively to that. Mm. But ultimately, if there isn't a revenue number being hit at the end of the month, and the money is not in the bank, then that's on me, right? And that doesn't matter if the money's not there at the end of the month. You can't go and tell that to your landlord, right? Mm -hmm. If I have to make a hire, then I'm responsible for them, for their, making sure that they can pay their landlord, that they can pay their rent, their mortgage. No one on the team has kids that I know of, but <laughs> if that was the case, then that as well. So that's obviously some massive challenge and a burden of leadership. So I've got a feeling that you might also set to highlight but what's your big highlight around leadership? As I say, speaking to you, you're very people-focused, so I'm, I'm sure it's just along a similar line. No, for sure. We made our first hire here at the start of the year officially, and it was actually someone who'd been freelancing with us for close to four or five months before they actually came on board full-time. Also, for personal reasons and what they were looking for at the time, I think the highlight of not just being able to make that hire and feel confident with that and still feel great about that hire being made but also the trust that was put in me as a, as a person as a leader that they trusted me to be able to not put a roof over their head but provide a stable job and provide a good working environment and particularly remotely they're based over in uh, london and i'm here in copenhagen so i think there's a huge amount of trust that has to go into that relationship and the fact that they trust me to have a paycheck and for it to be what it is every month and also for me to yeah provide the leadership and guidance for them to also grow professionally and personally. Absolutely, yeah. So in terms of thinking about the 
the pandemic and COVID and how that's impacted your leadership style. What's this COVID thing? Sorry, <laughs> yeah. I, don't, yeah, sorry. I don't think we've sorry ever talked about that, that before. Sorry to bring it out. I mean, obviously it's been sort of well, two years now since the pandemic started. Do you feel like your leadership style has changed? What's been the impact of it on how you work and how you work with other people? And yeah, what does that look like for you? So, I mean, I should also caveat and say now that uh, Simply Thoughts was founded in the midst of COVID, December 2020. So we're still in the thick of it right then. To be honest with you, I don't think my leadership style has changed that much. I remember at the time when, at the start of 2020, there was a lot of articles and different commentators and LinkedIn posts from CEOs about empathetic leadership. And this is the time when you have to be transparent and really open up to your team and show the vulnerability and just communicate, la la la. And I was like, why the hell weren't people doing this before? Right. Like that, that to me has always been part of leadership, having that empathy, listening to your team, understanding the concerns, providing that psychological safety has always been a part of leadership for me. I think what has changed for me with COVID is far more around the practical and ways of working. Right. And to be frank, it's an odd thing, but not that COVID was a good thing. That's not all I'm saying, but the, <laughs> the silver lining for a business like mine and simply thought is it quite frankly, it made working remotely for a lot of my UK clients and US clients a lot easier. Right. It was a lot simpler for us to be remote first as an agency. There was less expectation of having to meet as often in person. And that was a benefit when most of my network was in the UK and the US and I was physically in Copenhagen, mm -hmm. uh, that we were able to build that business from abroad, so to speak, and remotely and even pitch remotely was a help. But it's also, of course, been a challenge in terms of the team and going back to our first hire, I think it's made me very aware of just how much, especially junior staff or people who are just learning and picking up the trade, how much learning happens through osmosis, through just being close to people, through sitting next to and seeing how it is. Yeah, I think it's made me realize as well that we need that and that helps learning. So we're, you know, putting in practice in place next time that we make a hire, for example, we want to spend a week together at least and getting on board and having that onboarding time mm -hmm. and also getting to know each other personally so that it's easier to pick up the phone and call so that it's easier and you both understand the, the basics of it so that you've seen and sat next to each other and worked on the same screens and the same projects side by side to kind of at least the initial kickoff has to be around that to have that starting point I feel yeah I've definitely seen that I don't know if you'll agree Ben but in my agency for sure for junior members of staff it's definitely been harder for them when especially people who have come in during the pandemic to to learn and pick things up because it's just hard when you're doing it at home on your own and you don't have people around you that you can you know just listening into conversations even if it's not necessarily something that you're working on but just hearing people talk and or talk to journalists or have conversations about different things you you really do learn and pick things up through that and it's it's been a real challenge so that hybrid structure I think will definitely help people as we kind of navigate through this weird time that we're still in and I think as well you know going back to the the junior staff and especially in a city like London my god there are some shitty places to live in London <laughs> and shitty little yeah. shoebox rooms yeah and it must suck to be stuck in there to work an eight-hour workday from that little shoebox of a room yeah because that's all you can afford to pay rent in London with five others in the same house in their shoebox yeah. rooms all hogging up the wi-fi yeah absolutely yeah no it's a it's a real challenge definitely do you think there'd be any impact on how young leaders might change over the next 
however many years just because you know me only just probably considered a digital native uh, but you know they'll they'll have uh, vir virtual virtual natives right virtual natives who are used to work from home because I know lots of people work from home before the pandemic and stuff but in a lot of agencies in particular it was very much no you're coming you're coming to the office all the time like that's that's the way it works mm. but obviously a whole generation of people who that they started work virtually and they started work remotely so I don't know whether you think that will have any kind of interesting change over the next few years i think it's a it's a finger to the wind isn't it it's a it's a punt of a guess at this point what i wonder about or what i think is i think there's going to be less of a whole scale change of everyone changing completely i think you're going to have more half of people changing completely and the other half mm. not changing at all right i think you kind of see it as well in the feverance debates about should we go back to the office or not and how much is the right amount of days in the office and work and to be honest with you, I think people are just going to start finding, I don't think that there's a wrong or right answer to this. I think it's just a question of what works for you and what works for your business. And I think some people are going to absolutely thrive and they are going to then deliberately seek out 100% remote ways of working and jobs and that they are going to found mm. companies remotely and have remote teams. I think that they're going to also uh, seek out whether it's freelance or full-time remote roles so that they can be in the place that they like and care about or if they want to sit at a poolside in Portugal and have their full-time work there and earn a London mm. salary, then that's what they'll do. But at the same time, I also think that there's plenty of people who will be wanting to be in the office, who want that osmosis of learning, who feel also that their career trajectory is accelerated by being close to the stakeholders and the managers and the people that they work for, that presenteeism, I, unfortunately, I don't think that that's going to go away because that is the subconscious level is that we know the people best that we yeah. see every day, right? So if there's half of you are working remotely all the time and the other half are in the office and hanging out with the director or the manager, the MD, probably going to start to see a bit of that for lack of a better word favoritism pushed towards the presenteeism right proximity is a powerful thing i wonder if your employees listening to this and, uh, <laughs> thinking they need to spend a bit more time with you <laughs> well the advantage is that we are we're all there's remote no so no. <laughs> there's no uh there's, there's there's no one to get ahead of you you know i don't like any of them i never see them it's fine <laughs> but I, I do wonder as we see more younger leaders and you know the, the like sort of the mm. younger generation they're kind of used to this working online and they're happy to just do everything online and be at home and stuff like that yeah. maybe that will change maybe there'll be a shift there because actually they won't care so much about spending physical time with people they'll be just as happy doing it virtually so maybe that thing of spending actual face face time with people won't matter so much there'll be a shift in terms of that time in the workplace I suppose but yeah, I don't know. I think it would be interesting to see. I think there's definitely going to have to be, uh, I think it's going to be really tough to not be uh, at least what we had before was flexible working where you can at least work a couple of days from home and that sort of thing, or even work remotely or somewhere. I think it's going to be really tough to try to be 100% in office yeah. business. I just don't think that that's going to uh, attract people. And I also don't think that you're yeah. going to get the best from it. I think, to be honest with you, one of the things as well that I've become really aware of is, thankfully, I don't have a, a London shoebox home, but uh, anymore anyway. <laughs> I did my years there on my uh, then 21K graduate salary back in the day. But I've also felt a sense of that even if it's not necessarily like my team, 
going somewhere and going to an office environment has a huge difference on my productivity. So I invest and spend the money on a co-working space here in Copenhagen because, you know, we're good Copenhageners and Danish stereotypes. It's a five minute cycle from where I live. But just that change of context, that five minute cycle, having a coffee machine and just a bit of an office buzz, even if it's not people that I work with, there's professionals and working their own things and we have discussions about what each of us are doing and different projects are working on and what they do and even a couple of clients uh, opportunities have come from that right and one of the things i want to also do for uh, with simply thoughts moving forward is that awareness is at least give every staff member that option so have a stipend and a budget that can be used for co-working space so that you can rent something close to you to find something that works because i don't think we'll have anywhere that you can go that isn't just your home isn't that uh, desk that you can go somewhere where you can speak to people be around people have a free coffee machine as well i think that also just does a lot for the mental health and the engagement and your productivity i think as well people who are going into the office they're using the office in a different way now it's not just going in and sitting at your desk when you're going in you're actually going in for to actually collaborate with people and meet with people and actually spend some time with them rather than just sitting at your desk and doing what you would do at home so yeah it's just that interaction is really becoming even more valuable than it was before so yeah it's quite interesting do you think because obviously generally communications is a people focused industry do you think there'll be many people who have started virtually who will think, yeah, do you know, I don't, I don't ever need to go in and see people. And mm-hmm. do you think they would be as able to go on and become leaders without that in-person interaction? I mean, I think there'll definitely be communicators like that and people who've entered the profession who want that and want to continue that. I think whether they are able to become the leaders in their businesses and their industries, I think that depends very much on where they end up and where they go and the culture of that place or alternatively their ability to start something from scratch right yeah not to blow my own horn <laughs> <but yes. laughs> no, that's fair that's fair i wasn't waiting for anyone to ask me yeah, to tell me whether i came into the office or not and made that decision no but to be fair we might actually see even more of that because people want greater flexibility they don't want to be constrained by you know agencies or organizations and so they decide to set up their own businesses and do it by themselves. So we might see more young leaders going at it by themselves and earlier on as well because they pick up the skills that they need from an agency or from an organisation very early on and then decide to just try it alone. Mm. So Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I think because I can't remember who it was now. One of the people that we've had uh, a session from as part of the Zex scheme was saying they didn't start their agency because they wanted to be the boss. They said they started their agency because they didn't want to have a boss. I think that was uh, Alex from Manifest, probably. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah that, that would have been Alex. Yeah. Sounds like one of his. And I was just like, I was like, oh my god, yeah, I can totally relate to that. I don't necessarily <laughs> want to be like in charge. I just don't necessarily want someone really want telling to me what to do all the time. <laughs> But you don't want to be in charge. Is that what you said in your uh, when you're trying to get a promotion there, Ben? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To exactly. director level, I don't necessarily want to be in charge. I just want yeah, you yeah, in yeah. charge of me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, very good. We'll um, edit this bit out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I will say this. We'll make sure that your boss doesn't listen to this. I will say this though. I think for sure there will be people or there will be agencies who lose a lot of talent because they get stuck in their ways and stuck in the idea of who it is that how a person should behave in terms of whether they're in the office, whether they're working remotely and that sort of thing. And I think that a lot of agencies are going to lose, especially junior talent for people who are hungry and 
would rather just give it a go and try their own thing. And especially if you can do that remotely, and then you have a bit easier of a safety net. You don't necessarily have to start something in a London room where you have to make rent of eight, seven, eight hundred quid every yeah, month. Right? Also, it's so, it's so funny, isn't it? The old like cliche tech stories of like, oh my god, Google started in someone's garage and whatever. Now it's like, yeah, well, of course. I mean, it's no big deal, right? <laughs> like, who, who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, anyone can do that. Anyone can do that, yeah. Go on, I'm not go impressed. Do it. I'm not impressed. Ben is starting Google. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He's starting the next Google. Yeah, exactly. Remember um, us when you're rich. I don't I don't have a garage. You you uh, you've got a garage. I've got a garage. I could I could this start. This is amazing. <laughs> okay, there you go. Okay, I'm going to be the next Google founder. Yeah. yeah. That's all you need. All you I need. I don't even need an idea. I just need the garage and yeah. I've got it, so it's fine. <laughs> We're fine. So, yeah, just going back to being a young leader. So, obviously you've you've got all the experienced Christians. So what, what advice would you give to the next young leader? The next young leader, I think be honest. And it is in absolutely every single way that you can be honest, be honest. It's be honest with your team and your employees that are coming on board and who you're working with. Be honest about the realities of the good and the bad. Be honest about your own shortcomings and where uh, you actually need support and help, why mm. you're pulling people in. Be honest with your clients as to what's realistic and what isn't and what you do you'd be surprised how much business that we have won by saying that we can't do something and then once it gotten something down the line because they then trust when we say we can do something that is our area of specialism be honest and over communicate the hell out of that honesty be transparent it goes back to that empathy as well be understanding be honest and be open about what the challenges are what's happening in the business where you see them and where you see them going and be honest with the feedback and help them learn and develop there you don't do anyone any favors but push the rock down the road by lying or by just keeping it to yourself withholding information honesty is the best policy as they say yep <laughs> I get like yeah. not in my stomach sometimes with certain conversations where I'm like, oh, I really don't want to do this one. No. Yeah. <laughs> How honest should I be? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll just invent a small lie. I, I can give you advice of uh, take take a law degree and you'll learn how to be honest, but you'll you'll learn to phrase it in a very good, gentle, mm. easy way. It's <laughs> like easing them into the. So the, the advice truth. for young leaders is to be honest, but take a law degree. And take a law degree. Take a law degree. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. It is. I just uh, try to find ways to justify the fact that I spent three years doing that. So don't. Oh right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But not currently using it, but still using it in some kind of way. Ever to the disappointment of my dear African mother. <laughs> it's fine. You're doing well. You're doing well. Oh, well, you know, the moment that she accepted I wasn't going to be a lawyer was the moment when I brought a copy of PR Week 30 Under 30. She's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now it's okay. You're not a lawyer, she, son. She, <laughs> does, I mean, this is the thing about anyone who works in comms, right? Does she understand what you, what you do? Because my mum definitely doesn't understand what I do. I mean, to her credits, she very much does because my mum runs a business herself. So she understands PR and marketing very much. So she runs the largest travel agency in Uganda. So if anyone's going to Uganda, then wow. uh, UTB oh, yeah. is the ones who uh, book your tours and travels through. How did I end up doing a shout out for my mom's Amazing. business instead of simply thought on this podcast? Oh my God, <laughs> I yes, love it. I love that. I love it. Hold on, do we get, can we get a discount code like Christian10 and you get 10% off? <laughs> oh, that's so good. Christian sent me. I love that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we need to get mates rates or something. <laughs> All right, well. Awesome. 
thank you so much for your time. It's been great speaking to you, Christian. And uh, yeah, we'll speak soon, I'm sure. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'll be sure to let you know when I'm uh, next in London. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Speak to you soon. Take care. Thanks very much, Christian. This podcast is brought to you by The Zek. The Zek from BME PR Pros is delivered in partnership with Provoke Media and the Chattered Institute of Public Relations. The Zek is the first leadership scheme for UK-based, Black, Asian, mixed race and ethnic minorities PR and comms pros. The podcast series has been produced by Anais Merlin, Ben Roberts, Kenan Mann, Maria Adideran, Maxim Myers, Sabrina Keppel, Whitney Simon and myself Scarlett Zhao with the help of Content is Queen Studio. If you want to connect with us to continue the discussion, visit emeprpros.co.uk or reach out to us on LinkedIn.